From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, February 10th. Coming up today... The UK narrowly avoids a recession in the fourth quarter. The yen strengthens after a surprise pick to head the Bank of Japan. Shares of Lyft plunge on disappointing earnings. And Yahoo! becomes the latest tech company to slash jobs. I'm Amy Morris. Lawmakers are working on a single-payer health care system in New York, and former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Home wins for the Nets and Devils. A loss for the Islanders. Brian Dayball named NFL Coach of the Year. Patrick Mahomes won MVP. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with important economic news this morning around the world, starting in Europe, where the UK avoided a recession last year by the narrowest of margins. We go live to London and get the very latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The UK economy failed to grow in the fourth quarter, but the reading of 0% will come as a relief to Rishi Sunak's government, as it means that Britain avoided a recession at the end of last year. The more timely data, though, looks worse, with economic output falling 0.5% in the month of December alone, worse than forecast. With consumer prices 10% higher than a year ago and widespread industrial action, there are plenty of headwinds facing the UK economy. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. In Asia, the yen strengthening sharply. That's following news that Kazuo Ueda will be nominated to take the helm of the Bank of Japan in April. We get more from Bloomberg's Kazunori Takata in Tokyo. He served as one of the board members on the Bank of Japan from 1998 to 2005. That was when the BOJ, for the first time, embarked on negative rates and uh, quantitative easing. He's also known for voting against lifting of... Uh, negative rates. And Bloomberg's Kazunori Takata in Tokyo says investors are interpreting the decision as a hawkish choice for the BOJ. Staying in Asia, Karen, we have economic data out of China this morning. The country's consumer inflation accelerated last month as the Lunar New Year holiday stimulated demand. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The CPI rose 2.1% from a year earlier. That was in line with estimates. Core inflation, stripping out food and energy, gained just 1%. In the meantime, the PPI fell 0.8% as commodity prices lagged. The estimate was for a drop of 0.5%. Bloomberg Economics says the pickup in CPI was down to higher food prices, not services. As such, the signal is underwhelming. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Brian, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., we get a reading on consumer confidence today. The University of Michigan issues its National Consumer Sentiment Index for early February, and economists anticipate further improvement. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice has more. January's Consumer Sentiment Index rose to a nine-month high, 64.9, as the outlook improved somewhat, encouraging news following historic lows. Even so, Bloomberg Economics sees considerable downside risk. It notes two-thirds of consumers are bracing for an economic downturn. Also on today's economic agenda, the Treasury's monthly budget statement for January. Vinny Dell, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Vinny, thanks. Turning to earnings this morning, shares of Lyft are plunging by more than 33%. The ride-hailing company says it will prioritize lower prices to attract more customers. We get more from Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Mandeep Singh. Lyft, being the smaller player, has no choice but to uh, keep its prices low because Uber definitely has the advantage when it comes to scale uh, of you know, riders it has, the number of trips, as well as the driver supply. And, and that's what you're seeing in the results. Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Mandeep Singh says Lyft's revenue projection for the current period also fell below expectations. Well, in Europe, Nathan, shares of Adidas are down almost 11 percent. The German apparel company warns it could post an operating loss as high as $750 million this year. That's after terminating a lucrative branding agreement with the rapper Ye. Karen, more job cuts are coming to the tech industry. Yahoo is eliminating about 1,000 jobs beginning this week. That's roughly 12% of its workforce. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It is the first round of cuts in a larger plan to restructure its advertising tech division amid a wave of layoffs in the industry. The company, now owned by Apollo Global Management, plans to reduce headcount at its Yahoo for Business ad tech unit by almost 50% by the end of this year, or more than 20% of the workforce at Yahoo. Digital advertising providers have had to grapple with skittish customers who are concerned about the uncertain economic climate. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Now let's turn to the latest on the earthquake aftermath in Turkey and Syria. The death toll has now crossed 22,000. Thousands more remain missing. But just this morning, six people were pulled alive from the rubble in Turkey. Didem Demirakan is deputy executive director for Oxfam in Turkey, and she says the disaster area is huge. It had 10 provinces, so it's a big geography, and 13 million people were impacted. So, you know, it's a big population. So, first of all, the needs are too much. And Oxfam's Didem Demerican says many survivors are afraid to go back to their homes due to aftershocks. Turkey's government is facing growing criticism over the earthquake response and the country's poor construction record. It is 58 degrees in New York. It'll be partly sunny, breezy, and mild today. Highs pretty much where they are right now. And we'll get down to the mid-30s tonight. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. Former Vice President Mike Pence and former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien have been subpoenaed in the special counsel investigations of Donald Trump and his allies. Special counsel Jack Smith is investigating efforts by Trump and others to overturn the 2020 presidential election and and the discovery of classified documents that were found at the former president's Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. 
Lawmakers and labor unions are working to amend a long-time bill that would establish a single-payer health care system in New York as budget talks are underway. The so-called New York Health Act would create a universal health care system and cover all primary, preventive, and specialized medical care for all New Yorkers, regardless of immigration status. It would be funded through an income-based graduated tax based on a person's ability to pay. New York One reports the plan is different from the Affordable Care Act. It eliminates insurance companies as the core of the system. Talks are ongoing. Governor Hochul's office did not respond to questions about the governor's position on the bill. A handful of Senate lawmakers were briefed behind closed doors yesterday by Defense Department officials and attorneys on the Chinese balloon that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina last week. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut says intelligence gathering was critical. Maybe some people don't think it's valuable to collect the intelligence. Um, uh, I do. Uh, I think it uh, made sense for us to learn something about this balloon, given that it really posed no threat to the United States. Pentagon officials say the balloon was first detected over Alaska, but they waited to shoot it down so they could gather intelligence about it. Embattled New York Congressman George Santos would have been one of those briefed on the balloon. He was not, as he is facing a new measure to get him removed from the House. California Representative Robert Garcia is joining New York Congressman Richie Torres and Dan Goldman. They're sponsoring a bill to get Santos removed. They say the measure will be referred to the Ethics Committee. Global News 24 hours day powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Amy, thank you. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Super Bowl 57, Sunday in Phoenix. Chiefs and Eagles, and obviously a big storyline is that Andy Reid is coaching against his former team. 14 great years there. I loved every minute of it. Um, It's a great organization. Um, I still am close with the the people there. It was great to see the the kids that we had drafted. that are now these veteran players, all pro players. Chiefs and Eagles have together won only three of the 56 Super Bowls. Reed and the Chiefs won three years ago. The Eagles two years before that. This is the first Super Bowl in 40 years between two teams who've both won championships within the previous five seasons. Postseason honors handed out last night in Phoenix. Patrick Mahomes, a runaway choice for MVP, only the 10th to win it twice. Brian Dable rewarded for getting the Giants to the playoffs. He beat out Kyle Shanahan for Coach of the Year. And two Jets won rookie awards. Garrett Wilson on offense, Sauce Gardner on defense. Former Jet and Giant quarterback Geno Smith, now with Seattle, named the Comeback Player of the Year. Two former Jets named for induction to the Hall of Fame. The great cornerback Darrell Revis made it in his first year of eligibility. He played eight seasons, two different stints with the Jets. And Joe Klecko had 20 sacks back in 1981. He was named by the Veterans Committee. Another home game for the Nets, their third and four nights, and they got a win. 116-105 over Chicago. Spencer Dinwiddie just acquired in the Kyrie Irving trade. Scored 25 points. Zach Levine had 38 for the Bulls. There was a hot rumor yesterday that he was going to be traded to the Knicks. That didn't happen. On the ice, Devils beat Seattle 3-1. Islanders lost to Vancouver 6-5. And the Rangers have acquired veteran Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis. He's had six 30-goal seasons. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. 
Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We're taking a closer look now at a bit of a surprise coming out of the UK in terms of the economic data. Britain just barely avoided a recession last year. That's despite the cost of living crisis and the strikes we keep hearing about in the UK that have been going on for months now. Anna Andreda is an economist who covers Europe for us at Bloomberg Economics, and Anna is here with us now. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for being with us. So, the gross national product, uh, we're told, was flat in the fourth quarter, so technically not a recession, but I'm sure that does not change how the economy feels to the average uh, citizen in the UK. Good morning. So, yeah, I would say that's that's exactly it. Um, so, essentially, uh, growth flattened in the, in the last quarter of the year, and uh, there were a couple of reasons for that. So, one was that you know the vaccines were rolled out, the vaccine campaign uh, in the autumn was rolled out, and that drove up health output. And also, there was something related to the timing of uh, an extra national uh, holiday. And so, those were the kind of reasons that you know helped the UK avoid uh, contraction in the last quarter of the year. But I would say that you know the broader picture is that momentum is is weak. You can see in the data that consumers are already feeling the pain from high um, high inflation. Consumer facing services, for instance, have fallen by one percent since April. Um, so I would say that the recession was avoided on paper only, and the outlook is, isn't also looking very good. Yeah, and I would uh, imagine that it doesn't uh, just feel like it on paper, but it feels like it uh, in the average uh, citizen's feelings about the economy as well. Uh, what is it behind the data uh, that you're seeing that points to the possibility that we could see even further economic downturns in the UK in the months to come? Yeah, so, so, so there's a couple of things. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, um, we had the PMI for January, and that came in pretty weak. Uh, so that pointed to another monthly contraction at the start of the year. Uh, but then you have just the uh, underlying weakness that it's driven by, you know, interest rates are increasing. Um, the labor market has been very hot over, you know, the, the over 2022, 2022. But now you see in the data that there are signs of cooling and that it's likely to kind of, you know, translate into redundancies this this year. Um, and so that together with, you know, rising interest rates, um, it, it will drive some weakness uh, in the economy. And we actually expect uh, the GDP to fall over the next two quarters. Um, now, I would say that, you know, like for historically, this kind of downturn won't be as severe uh, as in the past. So we see since the third quarter of 2022, we actually see the fall in GDP uh, of just about 0.7%. And just to give you like um, a comparison, output fell by 6% during the downturn in the financial crisis and by 3% in the 1990s. So, you know, prospects aren't great, but also this recession won't be as bad as, as, as previous ones. If that forecast holds, Anna, what could that mean for the Bank of England? The last time around, I think they hiked by 50 basis points. They've been a little bit mm -hmm. more aggressive than the Fed is looking like it's going to be up to this point. What does that mean in terms of where the right hike path could go for the Bank of England uh, going forward? 
Yeah, so the economy was, was a little weaker than the VOE had expected. So it, it had in its forecast, it had a 0.1% uh, gain for the last quarter of the year. But I mean, that's that's not going to move the needle um, on the committee. First, the, the VOE knows that the economy is, is, is weak and is weakening. It's forecasting a recession over this current year and all the way until the first quarter of 2024. Um, but secondly, and most important, is that what they're really concerned about is um, underlying pressures um, in the economy. Um, so they, they were clear. So they did signal at their last meeting uh, that they were reaching the end of their hiking cycle, but they still kept the door open for further hikes. And what they will be looking at is the risk of inflation persistence. So they will really be looking at how fast the labor, the labor market cools down um, and how services inflation um, fares over the, the coming months. And we just don't think that those two things will turn around meaningfully by the next meeting um, to, you know, to persuade the committee to stop just yet. So we still see rates uh, going up. I mean, there will be a downshift. We expect an increase of 25 basis points in March uh, from the 50 you mentioned, but, uh, but we just don't see uh, them pausing just yet. Only have about 30 seconds left here, and I understand the government can't say what the impact of strikes has been on GDP, but uh, can you? Is there any impact on the strikes? It is. Uh, so it's been, it's, it's, it's hard to measure. Um, but the ONS in its, the statistics office in its GDP release did point to some weakness attributed to the strikes. Um, we think that, you know, strikes um, since over the last quarter of the year had kind of left GDP 0.2% lower than it would have been. Uh, but, you know, any kind of uh, hit to the GDP uh, due to the strikes will, will then kind of be, uh, you know, gained after. So there will be a rebound. So this is just a temporary weakness. It's not really a permanent hit um, to, to GDP, but it's definitely amplifying the weakness we're seeing at this moment in the economy. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.